Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Oh, 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 it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. This is my friend, Matt. Posh, come on, Posh. This is my friend, T-Bone. What's up, the fun? I can't go to work without listening to Mac and Bone. Do it live. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Shout out to Scooter in Huntersville for texting me his Harris Teeter breakfast bar breakfast, including some glorious bacon. He knows his target audience when he sends me a picture of bacon. The problem is I'm now salivating all over my laptop in the studio right now as we speak. Is that a new thing? Uh, listeners are going to send in their breakfast. <laughs> yeah, gonna, what are y'all going to do to Fat Mac, man? Come on, man. Take it easy on me, but it looks great. The Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature right now is 41 degrees. Choose local. Choose Charlotte Comfort at charlottecomfortsystems.com. Shout out to Panthers that wore 41 in the past, Mac. That would be uh, Roman Harper, Captain Mutterwin, and our guy Eugene Robinson. Nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, uh, let's get into it, Bone Man. Let's talk to a Panther that oh, wears. Oh, Apple also, apparently. Panther, let's forget that one. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk to a, a Panthers uh, player who wears the number 44, wears it very well, and has for years, Bone Man. He is the Iron Man of the Carolina Panthers. He is America's long snapper. He is J.J. Jansen. And you know he's got opinions about all the stuff we've been yapping about from the Super Bowl and the Steve Wilkes firing as well. J.J., what's going on? How you doing, man? Guys, thanks for having me. Uh, I miss not being in the studio with you, but uh, my uh, my backyard is uh, a nice place to hang out and talk to you guys. All right, very good, very good. We JJ, do you uh, your 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 lawn care is that is that a you thing or you 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 uh, you hire people for that at your level of celebrity? No, I I'm not handy at all. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely some employment opportunities at the Jansen household. Uh, the uh, the the man of the house is not necessarily the most handy person God. Uh, that God has ever created. So uh, I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. Yes, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat, man. My wife's got to have his weaknesses. My wife has to import a man <laughs> that knows how to do those things. Um, unfortunately, all right. Uh, let's talk about the. Uh, let's get into the Super Bowl. That's been a hot topic, and I know it probably kills you to sit there for like three, four days and hear us yapping about it, and you can't come in with your advanced probability numbers that I need to know where you get them from. I need to know where you pull them up from. But um, let's talk about some of the decisions that Shanahan is being ripped for and whether or not you think we are overdoing it. The decision at to start overtime, to take the ball, yeah. we have no, like – reference for this right like we haven't seen how these situations play out this is the first time for the new playoff rules yep. do you think he deserved to be bashed for taking the ball or do you think that wasn't a mistake absolutely the correct decision to take the ball but let me really? give you some a little bit of let me actually give you a little bit of information here uh coach frank reich was one of two guys that actually put together some of the models to figure out an overtime system in which the coin flip didn't overwhelmingly determine the winner of the game. So this new model that's been created, again, we've never done it before, so you have to go to analytics and modeling, much like kids playing video games and you play thousands of reps and you kind of figure out what works. This model was determined 
to be about a 50-50 decision. Actually, it's slightly take the ball in terms of what, what is the better decision. Um, and so it's a really – Shanahan's getting all this uh, vitriol for not taking the ball. There, there isn't a right or wrong decision. It's you know kind of like he said, like, hey, I wanted to take the ball and, and largely to give my defense a little bit of a rest. But he actually was, made the right decision if you look at all of the modeling. Now, it's the first time we've ever done it, so we have no data. And Patrick Mahomes is one of one, so we don't have any real data on that. But in general, this is a non-event. Like, we're worrying about the wrong things. If I can move you from that decision to about 10 plays later, not going for it yes. on fourth and fourth and nine, yes. that's the decision that should be vilified. When he, when he chose to kick it, he gave up about 12% win percentage by kicking versus going. See so that, the, that. Co- the coin flip is, was literally a coin flip. It didn't matter what he chose. But once he chose that, the goal of that first drive is to go score a touchdown, especially once you get down near the goal line. Yeah. And, I'll, and, and let's talk about – can I talk about one more thing before I give yeah. it back to you? Yes, okay. you can talk about a so lot of things, JJ. He Bone, drove, Bone, he, he is so drove, much better at wrestling the airtime back from me than you are. You just give up. Max said, go, go ahead, JJ, take all the airtime. <laughs> Meanwhile, right. I'm in a Greco-Roman so struggle. Let me, so, so remember, Shanahan said, hey, I want to get the ball third, right? And everyone goes, well, you never would have gotten the ball third because Mahomes would have, they would have just gone for two, and that's 100% true. But on fourth and fourth, the nine-yard line, when if let's say they went for it, which they should have and failed, Kansas City gets the ball at their own nine yard line in a tie game. Remember the first series coming out of being down three, Kansas City had a fourth and one. They would have punted the ball back to San Francisco, and Shanahan would have had the third drive. The problem was he didn't go for it. He didn't get a touchdown. And Mahomes had the four downs all the way down, at least until field goal range. And then obviously it started to fall apart at the end. Yeah. The, the thinking from Shanahan was 100% correct. But the, the situation he messed up, it was the worst decision of the entire game by both teams, was choosing to kick a field goal on the first possession of overtime on a fourth and fourth and nine yard line. See, I'm glad you're saying that part. The other part we disagree on because I think if you're giving Mahomes the ball second, you risk giving him four downs to operate which, you know, you just mentioned that. But I'm glad you brought up the the not going for it. And I'll take it a step further. You had third and four. I would have ran the ball with CMC on third and four and tried to make it even a shorter fourth down. I would have thought of that as four down territory because if you give the ball back to Mahomes, Bone, even with a field goal, how do you feel like you're winning that game, honestly? JJ, you know, you, like you needed a touchdown. Here was my, my thing, though, with the decision to kick the field goal. And you're right, though, like – <laughs> the bottom line is, it feels like Mahomes and Reed and K- they're going to find a way, but it's all you needed seven. You, you needed seven. But here's the thing, JJ: if you go for it there, tie game at 19, right, and you don't get it, doesn't that put mm-hmm. Butker in play to go win the game? Because not only do you have maybe the greatest quarterback right. talent-wise ever, you've also got Harrison Butker there. If the game is tied, you're giving Mahomes a shorter distance to go. You're giving the ball right. to Butker and saying go win the football game, which you probably would have. Right. Right. But remember. If the game is tied when Mahomes gets the ball, they're not going four downs the entire length of the field. You don't think they would have gone on fourth and one, though? Not in a tie game, because Uh, if they failed on fourth and one, San Francisco's in field goal range already, 
and all they have to do is kick a field goal, and it's sudden death, and the game's over. It's the same the coach who. Was, it's the same coach though that Andy Reid that told them if we score a touchdown, if they score a touchdown, we because, score a touchdown, we're going for two. Correct, because right. what they're so, saying is if it's touchdown, touchdown, they're going for two because they're saying we're not giving the ball back to San Francisco. In, with an opportunity to sudden death beat us. They're saying we trust Mahomes over giving it back so, to us. So that's why I'm back. saying that exact reasoning is why I'm saying fourth and but, one, they would have gone for it. Not in a, but in a tie game, a, they would have gone for the it. Because they wouldn't have wanted to give it back to San Francisco in a sudden death game. So let, let me ask you this. The, the last question, and then, and then we'll, we'll move on. Do you, <laughs> think Andy, do you think Andy Reid, in a tie game at his own 25-yard line, is going for on fourth and one, or do you think he's punting? Yes. Because if he misses, they're losing. I think he's going for it. But if he misses a two-point conversion, he's losing. Same thing. Correct. Correct. But the diff- the difference is going for two is they'd have a chance to win it on that play versus going. Yeah, I, you I, still I'm have a ways you, to I go. Don't believe for a, yeah, I, I don't believe for a second. Okay. Yeah, by kicking but, the field goal, by kicking the field goal, Mahomes knew he was four downs at least until they got into Butker's territory. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And they got and, and remember, Kansas City had a fourth and one. They knew what they needed, and so they went. In the first possession, San Francisco had a fourth and four. They didn't know what they needed, and they ended up kicking the field goal, which was the wrong decision. Yeah, okay. That's, okay. The, that's the flaw of the thought process from Shanahan's perspective. Kansas City was given a golden opportunity. They got to go second. And they only gave up a field goal, so they had all the cards. Yeah, they did. They, they did. could have played the, the situation better, but the coin flip had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Hey, JJ, don't worry. We will get to. We will hash this out a little more. When our handymen at our respective houses are doing the manly stuff <laughs> we can't do, we'll get together and talk more about this. There you go. <laughs> JJ, the, uh, the other the storyline that wasn't involving strategy – Travis Kelsey bumps Andy Reid. From your perspective on the sidelines, was that something you said, whoa, that's uh, that's out there, or was that just a thing that kind of happens and you move on, or was that a big deal to you? No, I thought, it, I, you know, in the moment, I thought it was a big deal. Like, you just don't see players bumping into coach. Now, I think we see this occasionally with assistant coaches or position coaches. Like, you see this from time to time. But a star player bumping into the head coach on the sideline, that really kind of caught my attention. The only little caveat I will give this is we see all the time players go after play callers or the you know, quarterback kind of bumping into a quarterback coach. So I wonder if there's a little bit of a, a challenge in the relationship of, yes, he's the head coach and he's in charge, but he's also the play caller and he's the guy uh, talking to the players often. And maybe that line every once in a while of head coach versus, hey, I'm battling with this position coach and we're trying to figure out a solution. Um, maybe that line gets blurred a little bit. But again, it's not for their long relationship and the fact yeah. that they ended up winning. I think this would be a much, much bigger story. Again, you just you don't see it very often where a player is bumping into a coach, let alone a head coach and one that's as accomplished as Andy Reid. I think both players or both people involved in this are kind of thankful. Hey, we won, and we can kind of just say it's it's in the background. I'm sure they hashed it out or will hash it out because again, it's 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 awkward. But 
I don't I don't think there'll be any residual long term issues. Well, Andy Reid told won. him, "Don't don't bump me like that." There's a lot of cameras on me right now, so they, they have that. <laughs> so he's they probably had moments before where behind the scenes where he's probably, "Hey man, we got cameras here." Don't Kelsey do that. said yesterday on their podcast that they've definitely hashed it yeah. out, and he said he's sorry. And I, I have to be honest with you, I think they're almost like family where it's not even awkward anymore. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Kelsey messed they, up. They, they, they've 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 been through a lot together. Yeah. They've had a lot of successes, a few heartbreaking failures. I'm sure I'm sure you can move through that a little bit quicker than maybe people that don't know each other. Yeah. But yeah. but man, I mean it it was funny, like Kelsey said, like after like immediately after the game, like, Oh my gosh, you guys saw that? I'm thinking to myself, there's ten thousand cameras in the stadium. Yeah, how do you think you got away with that? They catch everything. <laughs> uh what do you think about before we let you go, um, I know you got a lot of history and a lot of love for Coach Wilkes. What did you think about the Niners firing him? Look, look, I've known Coach Wilkes for 20 years. I think he's an unbelievable instructor. I think he's an unbelievable leader. I mean, I'm devastated that he, that he got fired. I, I'll just say a couple of things. Like, we saw in the playoffs, there was certainly an, a weakness in the run defense that was exposed in the, in the first two playoff games. But I thought San Francisco played fantastic on defense in the Super Bowl. A ton of tenacity. They held Mahomes to 19 points. Seven of those came off of a, a ball off the heel on a punt. Like, they outplayed. You know, this is the tough part about football. San Francisco, for four quarters on defense, outplayed Kansas City's defense. Second, you know, four, or, uh, Overtime goes, they kick a field goal, Mahomes scores a touchdown. And in the aftermath of the game, San Francisco's defense, who played better, they fire their D, D coordinator. And the Chiefs give their D coordinator, uh, Steve Spagnolo, an extension. That's yeah. that is the ruthlessness of this of mm. this job. Mm. Steve Wilkes is a fantastic coach. They played really well on defense. They did struggle a little bit in the second half of the season, but I would also argue that the second half of the season they played much better offenses and much better quarterbacks, certainly through the playoffs. And so there is going to be a natural bit of regression. They still they still finished highly, highly ranked in every category. Yep. And the last thing people say, well, this isn't a scapegoat. I don't know if it is. I don't know what's going on inside that building. But I would just ask, if they win the Super Bowl, are they firing Steve Wilkes? I don't think there's a, a chance at all that they're firing him after a Super Bowl no win. And I just can't look at that game and say, Wilkes was the reason they lost. We pointed yeah. out a couple of the big plays, and then obviously you've got, you've got a couple luck factors. Look, there were seven fumbles in that game. Seven fumbles, and Kansas City recovered six of them. Ooh. That's just bad luck for San Francisco. Like if Patrick Mahomes seven. goes back to pass, it's night. It's it's uh, end of the game, and he just drops the football, like it falls out of his hands, and Niners recover. Wilkes has a job today. It may, it's same that's same right. same defensive stuff. If Mahomes just drops the ball, oh, whoop, that snap, they get the ball. It's over. It, Wilkes has a job. Over. By the way, a couple yep. things from the texters. JJ, one texter says um, uh, that we uh, we need to get together. And uh, do a rent. A rent uh, we need stunt husbands. We need to get together and each get a stunt husband that fills in for us when manly stuff is being done around the house. Uh, another texter says it's so funny Mac trying to grasp JJ's theory but not quite grasping it. And it's funny DJ Skinner when you say that because I feel like JJ as smart as he is is just not grasping the right theory too. You know what I mean? I just I'm kind of amused by that. And last JJ, I just want to be upfront and honest with you what I'm doing. For your career behind the scenes, right, as your unofficial agent, the other day on the air, I said, attention, Dan Morgan. I said, anybody knows Dan Morgan, pass this message along, that my cl unofficial client, J.J. Jansen, will not stand for anything 
but a multi-year deal this year. If not, oh. we're walking. All right. So I said, this is the this is the wow. dog that you need at long snapper. So well, I'm waiting for a response, look, JJ. All right. Hey, look, I I am glad. I am just my biggest concern is what Flounder said last week, which was you got to be careful now because if if uh, Max starts negotiating contracts, you might end up living at home with your parents. And look, <laughs> I, I I I love my mom dearly. But she is. I'm not moving back in with her. So you need to be very careful. Okay. On how uh, how you negotiate this thing. I went this to- is Matt, Mac uh, willing to walk is something new here as well. <laughs> My wife tries to get me to walk with her around the neighborhood every day, and I don't. This, this is new for me, Bone. You're right. We are. I'll I'll show you some excellent walking paths around Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Show me all those greenways around Charlotte that's that I can right. hit up and walk that's on. Right. All right, JJ, I'll let you know if they get back to me. I know you're very excited right. to hear that. Please right. do. Be good, brother. Great talking to you, man. Thanks, guys. All right, Talk there you too. go. JJ Jansen, man. I still think I was right. He was wrong. But some of you seem disagree for some reason. Shocking. Matt thinks he was right. This segment is sponsored <laughs> by the Positive Coaching Alliance. Questions about youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA is a national nonprofit organization that develops better athletes and better people through youth and high school sports. Get info at positivecoach.org. We come back, Matt, we talk to a coach, a man that knows the ACC well, Josh Pastner, broadcaster now, former coach for Georgia Tech. Is the thought that the ACC is bad legitimate or not? Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Mac and Bone with you. Great talk with JJ. He always makes you think about something. I'm still over here arguing with him during the break. Flounder doesn't want to hear me still state my case, but he always I, makes you think about something. JJ sees the game a different way, Bone I was man. getting yelled at during the break. I thought for a second I was JJ Jansen. The best, well, I, I was, was sitting here. I wasn't listening, really. And all of a yeah, sudden, that was the best, is when I was still arguing my point that I was arguing with JJ, and it's just dead silence. You guys are like, we don't have to listen yeah, to you now. I We're was, not on the air. I was getting these uh, reads ready and preparing for our guest, Josh Pasco. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, now you know what my wife goes through. You know what I'm saying? She I don't, don't want to listen to me either. I, I think about it a lot, and I don't think I could be your wife for very long. <laughs> you couldn't hang in for near 20 years the way no. Christina has? She is, a, she is a saint. This is true. This Next is, level saint. This is very true, and I am not worthy. All right, let's bring in our next guest. We got to talk some college hoops, man. Let's talk about the ACC. Let's talk about our local squads and see what our next guest thinks. Our next guest stays busy, Bone, post, uh, you know, coaching. And I don't even, you know, uh, in this, maybe it's a coaching hiatus, but he stays busy. ESPN, CBS, 
Peacock, Field of 68. He is Josh Pastner, and he joins us on the Body Works Guest Hotline. Uh, Happy New Year. Hello. How you doing, Josh? What's going on, man? Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. And uh, right in, now that Super Bowl's done, we're right in kind of the thick of things with uh, uh, college hoops. I've always said once the Super Bowl's done and kind of the NBA All-Star Weekend's over, then all attention turns yes. towards uh, – uh, March Madness and the and, and the NC and, and, and college basketball should I say absolutely the rest of us been watching it all along right but the whole country really starts to embrace it here well, in, in based the coming off weeks. our pro football team Josh we've been focused on college basketball for quite uh, yeah. a while yeah and we were looking for something when the Panthers <laughs> were losing games uh, Josh North Carolina I don't want to yeah I'm not going to use the word crisis that feels like overdoing it but they've lost three of five after a ten game winning streak. What do you notice is different with the heels during this stretch? And can they get back to be that team that they were during the 10-game streak when they looked like one of the best in the country? Well, if I was them and, and Coach Hubert Davis, I would do anything I can not to play on Tuesday. Because <laughs> sure. the, last three, the last three Tuesdays they've lost. And so there's something going on on Tuesday that, that, that's got North Carolina. But um, first of all, R.J. Davis, I think the ACC Player of the Year, he's been out standing i mean there's other obviously really good players in the acc but i just think the year that he's had um uh, he's been outstanding i think and i love baycott i mean he's uh both him and ingram but 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 you know obviously most people are familiar with baycott on the national scene and he's a double double machine i don't know how he hasn't played maybe as consistently well as like an player of the year type of candidate um, uh, for the for the entire season. Now, obviously, there's a lot of focus on them, but I think for North Carolina, they need where R.J. Davis is player of the year. They need Baycott to play like an ACC player of the year. They need almost like two of those guys to do that. I do think there's some holes there in North Carolina, and and um, um, you know, I, my, my, the concern would be more in the defensive end. They can score as well as anybody, but it's more in the defensive end. It's when they struggle to score. Um, uh, you know, do they have the defensive, you know, ability to stop teams when it becomes a defensive game and, and offense isn't going for you and to be able to prevail that, especially in the NCAA tournament when you know, and look, they're, they're in the tournament. They were at one point, you know, vying for the one seed. I think, you know, a couple of these losses have maybe hurt them on that. Um, but but when it's all said and done, to get for them to get to that second weekend and beyond, there's going to be a game in there where offense is struggling. They're not scoring. It becomes one of those grimy, grind-out type of games. And can they win that game? And I think that's the question with North Carolina. It's not about their ability to score. It's can they win that grimy, grind-out defensive battle game, and that's still to be determined. I think that's the, the one big question mark with Carolina. Josh, as we're here in mid-February, and March Madness is not that far away, how hard is it in this day and age with all the distractions to kind of keep your team focused on the task at hand when the bigger goals are right there, but to get there, you still got to take care of business the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, and you guys know this because you you cover all the sports, not just college basketball. But it, it's sort of like when people compare, you know, who's the greatest uh, between this guy or that guy or this team and that team. You know, it's very hard to compare eras. Um, how you know you, you know what somebody did in the '80s and '90s is 
so much different than what the game is today. Uh, whether it's good or bad, that's just the reality of it. Things are just different. However, what's not different is there's always been distractions and, and, and things when you're dealing with teams um, and, and, and what is focused now. What's different now is you're dealing with social media. Yeah, there's NIL, there's the transfer stuff and all that, but, but even 15 years ago there was distractions of, 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 of things. I mean, you know, within, within the realm of sports or team uh, dynamics. That all being said, what, what it, it's really how do you embrace it? Because I don't, you can't hide from the distractions or you can't hide from the noise because in this day and age, the differences maybe in, in the past is, is obviously the cell phone or, or the access to, to information is so much different. And as you guys have known, I mean, look, I was growing up, you know, you, you, you have the newspaper and you look forward to it the next morning. And, and, and now the information is instant and it's, you get on the bus right after the game and guys are on yep. their phone and maybe not even the bus right in the locker room. So, <laughs> so I think it's, it, it's not that it, it, it's just different, and I think you got to embrace it. And I think it's kind of become some, somewhat of a norm now. It's just part of the deal. And to think it's anything other than that, then you're 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 kind of living in the past time. So I just think it's part of the norm of, of normal distractions of information overload, and you just got to deal with it. We're talking with Josh Pastner, uh, college hoops analyst, ESPN, CBS, Peacock, Field of Sixty Eight. Um, uh, you can find him all over the place, doing a great job too. If you can't find Josh Pastor, that's on you, right? Yeah, it is. It is very true. Josh, uh, question that is something that is being discussed in ACC country a lot is the kind of national narratives about this conference being down and not being this good. It ticks off a lot of people around here. A lot of people point out to you know the success the ACC's had in the NCAA tournament you know, recently and bracketologists have them at probably, I think four bids only right now. Do you think that the narrative is unfair against the ACC or do you look at it and say, Hey, we got to deal with it. It's not a great conference right now. What do you think? Well, look, I, I, I was a head coach there for seven years and, and I love the league and, and I think it's a great league. Uh, it's outstanding league. There's a couple things that what I would say just from a, from, from my standpoint of it, um, uh, number one is in, in when I was there, everything was if Carolina and Duke were not in the top ten, then everybody nationally just assumed the league was down. The perception was for the league to be good, Carolina and Duke had to be good, and or, or at least in the top ten type of you know rankings. And so when when any time there was a year where one of those two were not doing well or not maybe in the top ten then the assumption immediately was the league is down, which wasn't true. It's just the, the narrative on that. However, Virginia now has become part of that Carolina and Duke discussion because, you know, you look in the last decade, they're, they're just as equal, if not even better, with, their, with, the, with the consistent success of, of what they've done in the ACC. And I consider them a blue blood over the last decade. And so what's happened is Virginia – so, yes, Carolina and Duke are in the top ten right now, but Virginia um, is down or was down earlier, you know, when they went through that stretch, losing by a large margin on the road. Then all of a sudden, so people look at Virginia, you know, have them on the equal uh, footing as um, Duke and Carolina, 
And so when they're down or they're, they're looked at, they go through that tough stretch, should I say, then everyone assumes that the league is down again. And now Virginia got hot and boom. And then they lose to Pitt the other day where Pitt hit all those three point shots. And again, people think, well, Pitt must not be to, for Pitt to beat Virginia at Virginia. Then the league's again down. It's just, it's a, it's, it's Pitt's a good team. Yeah. They're a good team. Yes. They've got good players. They made a bunch of threes in that game. I just, so I think the league's really good. I just think that that's a narrative on a national perception when Carolina or Duke, so example, Carolina loses to Clemson at home. I think Clemson's really good. But people nationally say, how can the Carolina, if the league's that good, how are they losing at home? They lose to Georgia Tech. They, they, you know, And Georgia Tech has struggled a little late, but they've been a tough out. Damon Stoudemire's done a really nice job with Georgia Tech. My point being is I think that's some of the, the thought process for people who are not coaching in the ACC. I, I think Wake Forest is ex- as good of a backcourt and can score as well as anybody in the league yes. and maybe even in the country. And last thing, the NC2A tournament does, no- does nothing about predicated success from the previous years on determining the selection for the current year because you look at the Big Ten in the years they've got so many teams in, but they haven't had the same success in the past on, on the on the deep runs in the tournament as the ACC, but they've continued to get more teams in. So it, that, that's just a year-by-year deal based on the analytics and metrics and how that goes um, on, on the selection. They don't, they don't take anything in from the previous year. Coach, when we start to project towards March Madness and Duke right now, we know how much of this, and you know more than anybody, how much of the brackets and all that comes out is matchup-based. When you look at Duke and their team, what type of team would you worry the most about in a matchup with Duke? Who would they struggle with in terms of style of play? You know, I think a team, uh, I think who they would struggle with most, and you're right, you know, the, the whole thing with the tournament is, you know, you, 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 it's matchups and or <laughs> avoiding just a, you know, being able to get through the yeah. one, that one tough game where, as I mentioned earlier about that, you know, with Carolina, just have that off game and you've got to find a way to win the game. But I think a team like that that Duke would struggle with, in my personal opinion, would be a team that that um, is an, a team like Iowa State. That I'll give you an example like that, uh, like Iowa State, where they're where they're they're not going to be as talented as Duke, but they're going to beat you up in the half court. They're going to make it a real half court game. It's not going to be a lot of um, um, transition opportunities. Um, you know, again, they're not going to be as talented, but they just, they, they have that real physicality, if that makes sense. And I think that would be, and so you really look at it, it's probably a team maybe from the Big 12. Now, look, you know, I, I just think because Duke has a lot of pros, they have multiple potential pros on their team, first round draft picks. You, usually those guys prevail in the long run or, and, and make a, and make a deep run, uh, when it's, when it's said to be, but, but what I would tell you is, um, you know, teams that they're coming maybe from the Big 12, especially like an Iowa State, where they're not going to be a one seed or a two seed, where Duke's, they could face Duke in the, in the Sweet 16 possibly, and those are the teams that Duke's got to be able to get through. Um, you know, I think a South Carolina, they're so good defensively, if they were playing Duke, could give Duke some problems because they were real. Now, last night they were not good against Auburn. And credit no. to Auburn. I think Auburn can make a deep run. Uh, I think they're a sleeper team. That being said, South Carolina can beat you up in the half court. They've been pretty darn good. Tennessee, the same thing. I think those type of teams can give Duke the 
the, the problems. If I was Duke, wouldn't want to try to face them. But, you know, that's just part of the term. You're going to face one of those along the way, and you've got to be able to get through it. No doubt. No doubt. Always. It was sort of like last year. It was sort of like last year at Duke. You know, they played yeah. Tennessee at the yeah. time of 36. It was a half-court physical game. Duke won the ACC championship. They were playing as well as any team in the country, and Tennessee got it. The, it's, though, it's that type of game where you're going to face, where you've got to be able to get through to – to advance. It's not going to be like that every game, but you have one of those. Yeah. They encounter Tennessee at the round of 32. Whether they get that in that or the Sweet 16, they've got to be able to get through that at some point. So matchup-based. There's no doubt yep. about it. One of the many things that makes the dang tournament the fun. Best, coach. Uh, uh, we love talking to you, Coach. Thanks for coming on. Keep up the good work. Okay, thanks for having me, guys, and we'll talk soon as we get close to tournament time. You know it. You know it. That is Josh Pastner, a uh, former uh, coach. You know, he mentioned it his time in the ACC at Georgia Tech. I think he probably wants to get back to coaching, yeah. but he's really good at that. He's Man, really good at it. I think it's the matchups where Filipowski can get physically beaten up on the defensive end, and it affects his offense because he's got a big role defensively that he's got to kind of play that lively role a little bit here. But teams can beat him up defensively, wear him out. Yeah. It'll affect his offense. Happened against Carolina. Those are the teams. If it's a free-flowing uh, game a very where Filipowski can kind of just get by a little bit on defense, they're fine. It's those teams that can wear him out that affects the that offense. That point is so good, I have nothing to add or argue with. Is that not amazing? You okay? Yeah, man, I'm all right. This segment is sponsored by <laughs> Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas. Kickstart the new year with this incredible deal. Buy one window or door and get the second one for 40% off. Act now to schedule your free, no obligation, in-home consultation at freewindowassessment.com. Well, it's been a lot about sports today, but sports and real life intersected yesterday. We give our thoughts next on the tragedy that happened at the Chiefs Parade in Kansas City. Sports Radio 92.7 W. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, Boogie, when I first heard it, you know what I thought, unfortunately, is this is who we are. This is who we are. So now the the ever-revolving cycle is going to start. The news outlets to talk about gun control. They'll have politicians on from either side to talk about what needs to be done. The activism and people will speak out about we need gun control, we need gun laws. But the, and, and then we'll, we'll have the prayers up. I'm sure that's what's happening right now. Prayers up, prayers up. It's all over the place. And it's unfortunate. And all the time, it's unfortunate. This is not an isolated situation in this country. But I know what I know what the cycle is going to be. And then we'll go back to normal, everyday scheduled programming. That is Marcus Spears. Uh, that was basically on NFL Live as the details were coming out about the shooting right there at the end of the Kansas City Chief Parade. Um, at least 22 people wounded. But, they, you know, they're constantly kind of updating that number. One person is dead. She was a local DJ, radio DJ, Lisa Lopez, at KKFI there in Kansas City. 
um, uh, sister of one of the local mayors on an outlying um, city. And uh, so and, and her two nieces and nephews are also part of the the victims that were wounded. Not they did, they did not pass away, they were but wounded. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, there's as many it, it, um, as nine kids. Uh, some of the reports are saying that were vic were among the 22 victims. Three suspects were detained, including one that was tackled by an act of, of of heroism by a fan that was there for the um for the parade. It's just it is it, it's just it's unbelievable the the very few places now, Bone, in our country and in our current society where you feel like you're safe now. I mean, the places are dwindling. You can't go to church and feel safe based on what's happened. Certainly school, um, movie theaters. And now you throw the parade in, and you made a point earlier. Heck, we've seen um, – I, did, I didn't even remember this, but I guess there were gunshots at, at the last two before this pro it's, sports it's title parade. the third professional parade since June where gunfire has been involved. I don't yeah. think it – the previous ones, I, I don't know if it anyone was in. I don't, I don't know the the full details, but the Nuggets parade uh, in June and the Texas Rangers one just recently. So it's third professional parade in a row, and this is, you know, someone has, has passed away, and other people are are fighting for their lives in a place that is supposed to be one of the happiest places that you can get. I can't say it's a once in a lifetime moment for the people of Kansas City because they've had this now three times. But think about Mac. When you watch that parade and you watch the pure joy that that team provides, that city where a million people come out, that is, and everyone's there for the common goal to celebrate their team. It's not like they're all there for, they're there for the reason to celebrate something they all went through as fans or whatever, and someone did not make it home from what is supposed to be one of the happiest celebrations that you can yeah. go through. And you can't even take your kid to to a victory parade no. you know, without worrying if they're going to get shot. I mean, it's just... It's horrible, man. Being a parent, it 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 really hits me with all the school shootings. Um, so much. There was um um, heck, they had it. They had a gun confiscated at, at like Sun Valley Middle last year. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's 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 scary. It really is. And listen, we got. I I just feel like we at least have to stop the show a little bit and talk about this a little bit. Bone, you heard them there. They were doing it on NFL Live. Um, it's heartbreaking to me. This aspect of our country. Like, I, I love our country, man, but this aspect of our country in 2024 is so sad to me and so scary. It's the 48th mass shooting in the United States this year, and we're in mid-February already, and it just upsets me, Bone. The thing that upsets me the most is that this BS two-party system that is so divisive and tears apart this country on a daily basis, both sides do it, that, that because of that two-party system, Bone— we can't get anywhere on this because this is freaking considered political. You've already seen it on the text line. People have a problem in our opening segment of the show just because we don't want innocent Americans to die. And you've seen on the text line, there was a guy on the text line when I said we're going to spend some time, or you said it, we're going to spend some time talking about this. You're sports people. Don't talk about this. We're human beings. You're a parent. We're, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a son. It's We're Americans, and we love this country, but it just... And the thing, and, and Marcus Spears is right, it's the same cycle. It's the same cycle. Outrage, thoughts and prayers. We really need to do something. Gun activists speak up, and then nothing gets done because of that divisive two-party system. For the good of American lives, they can't work together. And I hate the fact, Bone, that when we bring this up and talk from the heart on this, that we're going to get a bunch of texts from people saying, oh, don't be getting political. 
Why are innocent American lives being taken political? It's because of this garbage system of politics we have, lobbyists. I mean, like, I, I know I know that's not my lane, but I just, I hate this aspect if, of our country currently. I just hate it, It man. kills me today to have to go through this in terms of the political side, because it's always going to be a thing, no matter what side you're on. If your first reaction is to make a political text, a tweet, a comment, and not address the fact that a woman died yesterday and nine kids were shot, that's on you, man. Because my first reaction is, oh, my God, nine children. Now, they did not perish in the tragedy. They're probably fighting for their lives a little bit here, and a woman died. If your first reaction is not thinking about the children that are affected by this, the children, the nieces and nephews that lost their aunt yesterday, uh, she died, the radio host. If you're not thinking about them first and your first thing is to text in your political slant, I got no time for that. Wait, and that's what I'm saying. I got nothing for that's that. That's the saddest part because of this. Because we're all, we're it, it, all divided, but we're all humans at heart. We are. We're all humans. But the division has made our uh, – the division and the sides are more important to people than American lives. Certainly more important to, to, to a lot of our politicians. And again, I know you don't tune into this to hear me on the soapbox. I know my sports soapbox is annoying enough. But it's just, it's just, I just hate how divided we are as a country, and this issue should be addressed, and it never is, man. And I'll, I'll say, ah. well, I'll, I'll leave my, my last thought on this. If your first reaction is to make this political, would you like that if you lost someone or your child was shot yesterday in the celebration? Would that be your first response? If someone you know was shot or you lost someone, I don't care what side you're on, but if someone you know was affected yesterday, whether they died or they were wounded, would your how would you like it if someone reached out to you right away and said, "That's these politics, man," and he went into politics? You wouldn't like that, would you? Not at all. Not at all. And I, I, I you just made me think of something else that it was in my mind too. We had when when there there have been family members of victims of these shootings, Columbine, Parkland, whatever, right, Sandy Hook, whatever, that have then been turned been villainized by people for political purposes. People that are just trying to speak out about something, you know, uh, that they're passionate about now that they have lost a kid in a school shooting and they have been villainized because of politics. Mm -hmm. I just it just sickens me, man. It does. And again, I know many of you don't want to hear this, but it, part of the problem is that it's so divisive. Like what we're saying right now, I feel like it should be agreed upon on 100 percent of Americans, but it can't be because the two party system has gotten into our minds. And divided us so much, man. When we have so much in common, we all have kids. We all have parents. We all we, we all send our kids to school. We all, you know, people want to go to church. People want to go to a movie theater and have fun. We all do these things. But yet, we're so divided by this messed up damn political system. I just, you now it's have, frustrating, man. You now have to think about, because of what we talked about when the segment began, we now have three gun things happen at pro sports celebrations less than a year. So if your team, wherever you are, wins something, you now have to think about, for real, do we want to attend something like that? Not because it's going to be busy in the traffic, because not everyone that you love may come back from that. Think about that. Your team can win it all, and you may have to think to yourself, I can't go there because we might get shot. That's where we are now. Yeah, it's sad, man. It is. And that can it happen is. anywhere. I get that. But I'm just talking about this particular moment here. My team won. I can't go celebrate with fans. And it may be the only time we ever have this for some teams 
and we can't go there because someone we know might die. By the way, one quick thing real quick, because a lot of people are asking, what's your solution? Mac, what is your solution? That ain't that. I'm not going into that lane. Because you know what you know what many people are going to do? Then they want to fight with me on my they solution. They want to bait you into that. Yeah, yeah. and I don't want to yeah. do that. All I want to do is just speak from the heart about how this country is so great, it feels like we could do a better job in this area. That's all I'm saying. Like, And, and let let the experts, well, they're not even, uh, experts can't even get this done. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? It's yep. just, I'm just if, speaking, we're just speaking. If you're heart. talking about politics right now, think about the nine children this morning. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. When we come back, back it's back to, to sports and and. More of the uh, the fun variety here. We're going to talk NFL draft with an expert from the Athletic. Matt's going to like who Nick Bumgardner has at number thirty three for the Panthers. Find out next. Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.